0: We absolutely love talking to people with different levels of experience on this podcast. Listen, uh, today is really special. We're gonna talk with somebody who has a great sales background. It's more than experience. Training, training other sellers and sales managers. This Look, this is somebody who has worked at different levels of sales, sales management, and market manager level, of course. And has worked in some very competitive markets. Someone with these different levels of sales experience is an absolutely ideal person for us to talk to on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. In fact, this sounds exactly like the kind of person that we like to talk to on our podcast. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast, get it right on your smartphone. Our goal is always the same to encourage radio pros at all levels. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, you probably already know that we drop a fresh weekly episode featuring a radio pro that's working right now somewhere in radio. And we do that every single Sunday to enjoy our podcast. You only have to be interested in others, be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead, and ways to make your radio career more profitable and successful. Each and every week, we have an opportunity really to see a snapshot of an individual in our business. So it's not us telling you about the radio business. It's not us talking to somebody who used to be in the radio business. It allows us to see radio from a different perspective right now and maybe a different career arc and hear how they're embracing radio. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or what we call ourselves, RPC. We work on both sides of the ball, so to speak. That means that we are unafraid to participate with all of your business, uh, and our goal is to be basically a virtual assistant. Our practice literally helps local radio generate higher ratings and higher revenue. So we help you leverage those ideas, those ratings, those concepts, for actual revenue. And look, it's just this simple. When we go to work for a client and they follow our collaborative process and strategy, we work for them, their revenue and profit margin rises. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Are your local radio stations programmed and positioned to collect the most money today in your local radio market? Do you need a better? sales recruitment strategy we can help you set up a meetup by email it's easy first consultation is free f-o-r-d at rainmakerpathway.com all of our stuff is confidential by the way no matter what happens uh we're just a moment maybe less from welcoming mike jensen who's the market manager for stevens media group in tulsa oklahoma i got a chance to talk to him for a couple of minutes i think this is going to be a really fun and interesting episode A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we make available minutes after we record the live interview and we sling it out in social media. That's how a lot of people come in contact with us for the first time. They go, oh, this is really interesting. And then they go and subscribe to the Encouragers Radio Rally podcast on their smartphone. They go, oh, my God, there's 140 plus episodes. And then they can just go listen on demand anytime they want. There's a lot of rich content that is available to you a big thank you to justjoeproductions.com for creating our audio footprint too and distributing our podcast by the way see what you can get for free anytime from our sales team in our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com including our encouraging sales success series which is perfect for sellers or sales managers and our more than live and local series which as you probably guess from listening to us every week, is all about being relational and not about a label. Now, let's see what we can learn from this week's guest. Mike, welcome to The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you, sir? I am good. Thanks for having me today, Lloyd. I'm so excited to have you here um, just because of your background and because, well, some things that I've read about you that are really cool. We really like to ask these two things up front in our interview. Where are you from originally? And can you tell us about your first experience that you can remember as a radio listener?
1: Oh, yeah, I have a couple of uh, answers on that. But first of all, I'm born and raised in a town called Columbus, Nebraska. It's a small town about an hour west of Omaha, big population, 25,000 people. (laughs) So I'm a small-town kid uh, from the middle of the Midwest. And I can tell you, I remember and listening to an Omaha radio station that's still on the air today called Z92. It was a rock station that played some serious rock music. And their morning show was Otis 12 and Diver Dan. They are really connected with me, connected with the audience, entertainment, information. It was just a really, really cool rock station. In my little hometown, we had a guy named Joe. He had a Saturday morning show called the Big Joe Poker Show, believe it or not. My my family was listening every Saturday morning. (laughs) It was such an entertaining show that we just knew him. And, of course, being from Nebraska, I'm a big Nebraska Cornhusker football fan. So listening to Lyle Bremser and his play-by-play and the way he made all the football games so exciting, you were glued to each play of the game. So I listened to football games on the radio. That was how, that was my first experiences as a listener. And then the last thing I'll talk about is we, at our church, we had a small station that actually would broadcast the Sunday services to the seniors in their home who couldn't make the services or if you're sick or couldn't go to church that day, you could tune into this little station and listen to the church service. Um, So that was my first experience as a radio listener. There's more than one, but that really molded me and got me the radio bug. And, of course, we had four small stations in my hometown that I listened to the week and the weekend and stuff. I was a guy that would take the cassettes and hear a song record it from the radio and try to stop it before the DJ would stop. So that's kind of a long answer to your question. But um, I have different experiences on on my first listening experience.
0: (laughs) Now, listen, I'm really glad that you did that because I want to point out to our listeners that every single thing that you just brought up is all relational. It's about the relationship that those different components had with you, your imagination, your connection to them. Listen, I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but it appears that you came up in sales. What attracted you to radio sales? Where did that first job come from? Who hired you and what did you learn?
1: Yeah, well, I I absolutely love sales right from the start. My dad was a real estate broker, so I was kind of around sales 24 hours, seven days a week. So my my first job was at my little hometown radio station. The call letters, they don't exist anymore, but it's K-W-M-G. The station back then aired classic hits format, and it's currently owned by Alpha Media. The GM at the time, he was looking for somebody to queue up the weekly, Rick D's weekly top 40, 78 size records. That was my first job. I would just queue up the records, hit play, and... I would come in during the week sometimes and I see the salespeople. They're driving a little nicer cars. They were outgoing. They knew a lot of people. So I knew that I wanted to get in the sales sales right away. And I like sales because of the fast pace, the dynamic nature of the role. It immediately appealed to me. You know, I thrive in environments where I can connect with people, understand their needs and provide solutions to their business challenges. You know, if I can connect with somebody and help meet their challenge of exceeding their targets, that's awesome. And I like meeting the challenge of goal setting and hitting hitting targets myself. It doesn't it, it imitate uh, doesn't scare me. It actually. I it, are it.
0: you a highly competitive person? I am. So you know, from uh, the
1: beginning, I saw sales not just as a job, but as a as a, a platform for building relationships and making that positive impact. You know, plus mm-hmm. radio, the creativity that radio offers. You know, from crafting a compelling message, the campaigns, the strategies, the, the to promote products and on-site events, that is huge to me. I love that part of it. So I right. guess it's sales, but it's actually a way of of finding solutions to help businesses grow their business.
0: You know, I, I feel like we're going to talk about this, and I'm going to use the name <laughs> of this company, and and I just feel like, and I know other people do too. When you use the name of this company, people kind of perk up a little bit. It, it, I guess, doesn't exist anymore. Well, it doesn't exist anymore. But you did 11 years as a senior account executive working for CBS Radio in Las Vegas. I want to know what makes that market so different. And did did you start feeling drawn to sales management in that actual job?
1: You know, I did. Let me uh, touch on the Vegas radio market. I mean, compared to others, mm. it's, you can imagine it's different. I mean, the the demographic makeup of the audiences in Las Vegas it's it's probably significantly different from other markets. I mean, the age, the 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 cultural diversity, the interests of the population you know it influenced the type of programming and content that the listeners needed in Las Vegas. You know, the local culture. The entertainment scene alone. Las Vegas is known for its entertainment hospitality industry. So with a lot of focus on shows, events, and nightlife, the radio market had to reflect and cater to a lot of that local culture and the entertainment preferences that was unique to Las Vegas. And now they have all the professional sports teams that are there that I wasn't there, hockey, basketball, football. So it's totally, totally changed a lot. Tourism had a major impact in Las Vegas. So the radio market, you know, had a lot of Proportion to transient listeners compared to other markets that rely right. on, you know, a lot of markets rely on the local residents. Well, Vegas had a combination of both. So that can impact your programming and your advertising strategies for a business. You know, there's a lot of casinos there, obviously. So Vegas is influenced from not just tourism, but gaming, hospitality, all can affect. Advertising market and the types of businesses that invest in radio advertising. I mean, casinos are doing pool parties. You can't do pool parties, you know, in Tulsa year-round because of the weather. So your strategies were different. How to how to generate revenue? Concerts coming and going all the time. So, and then you talk about competition and station formats. Woo, Vegas had a number of formatted radio stations. You know, and the level of competition was fierce. It was a very unique market. You know, different markets may have variety of mixes of formats: arc radio, the different music genres, news. But Las Vegas was no exception. It was competitive. You had to be real creative, and you really, you really had to dig deep to be to be successful.
0: Well, I think that's especially true in an environment where, you know, you have the transient element, you have the uh, tourism element. Your money is moving all the time. And right. I, one of my theories is that I, wherever you live, money's moving all the time. But in a place like Vegas, it's right out in the open. You know what's happening. And you know it's you know that there's secret money that you don't know about. So, yeah. So yeah. I'm sure that it takes a lot of creativity to work in that environment. Listen, after CBS Radio, you stayed in Las Vegas and you took what some might consider to be a left turn. You went to work partnering with a, a trade show of organizers using resources from a variety of places to generate leads, generate leads. That's interesting. Tell us about this job, how it came to be and and what you learned from that.
1: Yeah. So I, I, um I did everything I could at CBS radio, but I always liked the event side of it. We started developing a lot of events at, at CBS radio and I liked that side of it. I always had an interest on the event side. So this opportunity was a company called GES that let me hone my skills and gain the experience to see the events day in and day out. You know, the inside of it, the outside of it. So I really learned a lot from that. At the same time, I could still be creative and help clients reach who they were trying to reach, their ideal customers, but it was more of an events events experience or on-site experience. that really rounded out my experience going with that company on the event side of it. And the radio, as you know we do a lot of events, so it really got me to strategize a different way on the event side of it.
0: I really wonder if it changed your path in terms of knowing what's possible from event and event revenue and how exciting that can be. I really think that is something that, it depends on what radio operation you're in, as to how much of that is done. But I do think that that can be significant revenue in certain situations.
1: I agree. And I think it gave me a framework to, um, you know, I I got to see it from both the exhibitor side and the sponsorship Mm -hmm. side and the producing side of it. Where radio most of the time we're kind of selling sponsorships and producing event. This opportunity got me to see a 360 degree angle of it. And it helped me down the road on events on future radio stations for sure.
0: Yeah, one of the things I love about your path is because it shows what everybody already knows, but really ignores. Career paths are not always A to Z in a, in a plain order that you can see ahead of time. Uh, you came back to advertising, but with Lamar in Las Vegas, this certainly had to give you a solid understanding of outdoor you worked in that sales position for almost four years. Did you like that product?
1: I did, and I think my career path was pretty cohesive. By going to Lamar, uh, the outdoor, it really expanded my horizons. It's, again, it's mm-hmm. all about bringing solutions to clients and helping them succeed. So it was another great experience me to learn another advertising medium, how it works, learn the competition, and again, a way to round out and gain more experience to help businesses grow their business and now i can sell against it i kind of know how it works <laughs> so it's yeah. a competitive medium that um again it kind of it, it rounded out my experience from events outdoor and it definitely has helped me down the road in promoting the stations by buying outdoor how they sell it um the same challenges so it definitely uh, was a good experience Going to Lamar. Being
0: inside a business like that, you you learn the truth of the business and what the uh, what would you call it the impression management looks like, but also what the reality of the bottom line looks like. It, what's exciting, I guess this is what I really meant to say a minute ago, is what's excited about exciting about talking to somebody like you is that you do have this robust career in which you're not one dimensional. You have a lot of different dimensions because of the things that you've done. After Lamar, you went to work as a general manager for radio stations, but you were also an active seller. Walk us through the opportunity to return to radio and what you made out of that job.
1: Sure. I, you know, I've, I've always I've always been an active seller and always will be. And I think it, it helps me have a better understanding of what my teams are dealing with. You know, wait, wait,
0: wait. Did you did you just say you're always going to be an active seller? <laughs> yes, I I like to be on the streets. I don't want to just sit think, behind a desk, look, right? Look, I think this is so important because you know at Ringmaker Pathway we talk to a lot of different clients, and sometimes you get sales managers and market managers, and they don't sell. And and you know what? They're oftentimes your most experienced people, and you want to encourage that. And here I am with you, and you're like, uh, "That's one thing I'm always going to do." Tell <laughs> us about that.
1: Yeah. So it's it, I think. I think it helps me have a better understanding with what my teams are dealing with. You know, you stay right. in touch with the community. You can say, I went to the same, I'm, I'm experiencing the same objections, the same, the same challenges you have. Let's work together as a team because so I can relate to them better, I think, and helps me come up with maybe a training opportunity or some sort of a, an idea they need to help generate their revenue. You know, we're all in this together, right? We're all rowing the boat the right. same direction. I can't sit there and say, go sell more if I'm not doing it myself.
0: Well, do well, Wait my a my Team
1: to do anything different than I'm doing.
0: So yeah, wait, kind of wait. It, but it's worse than that. Or, or I should say, better. You're. It's not just good for you. It's good for them because they see you doing it as an example, and they go, "Oh, I see. He he is getting these same roadblocks, and he is coming up with creative ideas to get around them. And and he's actually doing the work.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, I agree. You know. It, yeah, got it's all about solution-based selling, right? So, you know, right. figure out what, what the problem is, you know, what is what is the, the client's problem or their need? What's the urgency, expectation? And so you need to figure out what your solution is, how you can use radio to solve their problems. What's the idea, you know, how will you drive results to that business's door? And then what angle, what are you trying to promote? So if I'm doing that every day, I can help salespeople and they help me as well. Um, drive revenue. So, you know, what's the execution, the plan, figure out the investment. And so I'm always going to be an active seller and I think that helps. So, so yeah, so I got an opportunity to go back or go to be a general manager. Um, the opportunity was in New Mexico and it was actually mm-hmm. my first, my first chance of being a sales manager. It was with Adams Radio. I talked to the CEO at the time, Ron Stone, and he gave me the opportunity to cut my teeth as a DOS. And then the mm-hmm. chance to be the general manager of the stations, and it was an incredible experience. I mean, learning how to manage an entire operation, leading sales, community involvement. I learned so much. I made mistakes with the opportunity to learn from them. <laughs> um, right. I mean and it, look, and don't I enjoyed, think- enjoyed some success along the way. It was great. We actually set revenue and ratings records during my time there. So it really enhanced my experience and my career.
0: Do you think everybody makes mistakes? Though isn't that the that I know that's going to sound strange to say it, but that's the joy of when you realize that everybody makes mistakes. It's not about whether or not you make a mistake; it's how you get back up and how you don't repeat those mistakes. Right. Right. All right. So let's talk about Phoenix and Riviera Broadcasting. The, this job really focused on multimedia, and that's very specific. But I have to say. It was also essentially during COVID. They say that if you live long enough, you see things you've never seen before. That's certainly been true for all of us. With what I'll call the COVID era, was COVID like that for you? How did you deal with those twists?
1: Yeah, the COVID nineteen pandemic had a profound impact on you know various industries, you know, including media and broadcasting. You know, I, I was talking to you know many professionals. You know had to adapt to remote work, and the right. media landscape saw shifts in how content was being consumed. The patterns were different. you know with the with the lockdowns and all the social distancing distancing and you know, all the measures in place, you know many right. many sellers, professionals you know had to shift to remote work. and so that required us to adapt to new technologies and finding ways to collaborate effectively from different locations. Thus the Zoom calls, right, were invented or right. you know, you had to you had to navigate through the uncertainty. You know, it brought the pandemic brought a lot of uncertainty um to a lot of professionals. You had to learn to be flexible and adapt to different uh, situations. So, you know, this might involve reevaluating, adjusting advertising strategies because people weren't out and about as much, right? So it'd come with different strategies.
0: That's right. Um, Do you think you it's permanently explore. changed us? What's that? do you think it's permanently changed us in terms of sales and how we do it and what people's fears are? And, you know, many people not want to see as many sellers and all that.
1: Yeah. I think, I think now it's a lot easier to talk on the phone. They say, let's just do a zoom call. I think it definitely has changed the landscape um, a different way. I think, I think it's very important still to have those face to face meetings, but now you could, you can hire a salesperson. They can live in a different state and still sell in your current market because of the Zoom call. I mean, it's, right. it's a lot of people are doing that. We have a, you know, a guy that's doing that now, but it also gave us the opportunity to explore different digital platforms to reach consumers. You know, you had to find new revenue streams, explore different approaches to reach prospects and deliver them the information. You know, I remember those guys were, were creating videos to send with our emails. To say they'd open up the emails. I mean, so you got real creative.
0: Uh, now, you, know. you, Mike, you just said something really interesting, and I, it would be wrong of me not to say anything because we have market managers and sales managers in particular who will be kind of tweaked by what you just said. We hired a guy out of our market selling. He does it over Zoom and over phone. I got to ask: Has that been successful for you? Yes. And, and is that about having, did you see him as an opportunity or did you go, I'm going to be open-minded and I'm going to look to hire maybe somebody who's out of the market? Which of those things happened?
1: Well, he was, he was an experienced seller and he knew the market. So it was, it was a good fit. He knew how to, he had the, the radio sales experience. He just wasn't living in the market. He knew how to get appointments and prospect. So and he's right. doing a great job for us. I mean he sells the value of using our radio stations and that's what he does. He just does it. I got to tell
0: way. you I I kind of stand up and applaud you for that because I do think that here in the 21st century being nimble as a manager and looking at results versus you're going to have to do it our way can create some outsized uh results, right? Right. All right. So talk to me about Phoenix Arizona. As a multimedia marketing solution specialist, uh, after after Phoenix, you, you went to greater Flagstaff area with Stone Canyon Media. This time you returned to the VP market manager chair.
1: Right. So I had an opportunity to get back into management in the, in the Flagstaff area. And, and, and having worked in Phoenix, again, I got the chance to get into management. And this time... Focusing in just the flag stuff area, I was still in Kenya Media. You know, I was, I was very excited to get back into the market manager role. This transition you know, allowed me again to bring all that hands-on experience back to a leadership position. I was in management, back into sales, now I'm back into management through COVID. So my goal was to use all these insights, my past, to help work with businesses directly train the sales team be creative and use ideas to guide the again the entire media operations and i was eager to lead a team again implement some some strategies and continue driving success in and, and another competitive market so again it all all my experiences came together again <laughs> to to help right. drive a market going through covid learning um you know selling and then taking all that experience to Flagstaff. and it was just such a great experience so I was, I was lucky to have that opportunity again.
0: I feel like your people are really lucky to have somebody who is a manager level person who sees it as their job to be a part of the sales solution to get in to kind of, what did they say? Roll your sleeves up and all that. I want to know if, if you feel that going through COVID really changed the way that you saw being a market manager.
1: Yeah, it did. the biggest thing is adaption to remote work. You know, like many professionals, you know, managers, you know, they had to adapt to remote work during the lockdowns and the social distancing measures that were in place. You right. know, this was involving managing teams remotely, using virtual communication tools, you know, Google Meet, Zoom calls, things like that. And, you know, we had to ensure the continuation of the, of the operations. So, lucky for me, we were just kind of coming out of Kobo Nose and Flagstaff so we could go back to some of the traditional ways of doing business. But again, we had shifts in advertising and revenue strategies we had to implement. The pandemic yeah. led to changes in advertising budgets and again, strategies. I mean, we needed to reassess our revenue streams, work close with advertisers to adjust campaigns and then maybe explore some new opportunities in the digital space. Because again, we had to navigate the uncertainty. Was COVID coming back? Was it staying? You know, we had to hide oh, it had a high- Oh, but nobody knew, concerns. right? Yeah. Yeah. So- Wow. You know, and I, I had to learn to think quicker, make quicker decisions basing on changing circumstances and addressing employee concerns. It wasn't just about, can I take this day off? It was about, I'm not feeling well. Should I take two days off? three? I mean, you had to really yeah. maintain the stability and maintain a business environment. So. Um yeah it it was quite quite the experience but um you know you learn from it and and hopefully you don't make the same mistake twice and and you move forward.
0: <laughs> let me let me ask you this. Um you know not to beat a dead horse over the covid thing but I'm curious if you've seen some of this where you know everybody kind of reverted to Zoom and thank god that we live in a technology century so we could do that and and we could make those nimble adjustments do you feel like coming out of covid that you saw salespeople you know they say that you give a salesperson an opportunity to talk themselves out of making a sales call they're going to do it they're going to do it and they're (laughs) going to say oh it's just as good to send an email or it's just as good to blow in that phone call or it's just as good to do the zoom call I think we know that that's not true, that boots on the ground are always boots on the ground, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, just as meaningful. Do you feel like sometimes people have been resistant to air it back up?
1: Um, I think there's some of that. Um, I think by the time COVID and the pandemic is over, I think people were anxious to get back to meeting face-to-face. They wanted that social interaction going back to lunches and meeting people and meeting uh, the different business, staff. So I think there's a combination of that, but I think we're moving past that. I think people want to see people, if you have the right idea for the business, they're going to listen to it. If you have a relationship with somebody, they're going to listen to you because people want to improve their business. They do. They need help doing it. So I think, it's about, again, it's about selling the value you have and the benefit of your product or services to help your prospect and your clients.
0: All right. So, you know, I'm not going to let you off of our podcast before I ask you a couple of stupid questions (laughs) about training, because one, you're so passionate about selling and about that being relational, which I think is so important to mirror to other people in our business so that they can hear what that passion is about. You are a Brian Tracy certified sales success trainer. What does that mean to you? And do you enjoy sales training? Now, that's different than saying, do you enjoy sales? I want to know also if you enjoy the training.
1: Oh, good question. Yeah. Being a a Brian Tracy certified trainer, it it means so much to me when I It means so much to me because when I was gaining momentum in the sales game, it helped me learn and absorb new ideas. It it, it, Mm -hmm. it helped me gain experience in sales strategies, communication skills, goal setting, time management and other aspects of my professional uh, development in the realm of sales. And so, like you said, I am passionate about sales and I find joy in helping others develop the skills they need for success. So I enjoy sales training. It's just kind of a genuine genuine, genuine interest of me, helping individuals and businesses achieve their objectives. You know, I see a huge satisfaction in seeing others grow and succeed in their careers. You know, it is this Brian Tracy and other, and, other, and other sales trainers, you know, not just him, you know, through the years, it has helped me sell more, sell easier and faster in any market. You know, I've had the luxury of work in different markets and I've used some mm-hmm. of these principles and these ideas to get me going into, to get going in market. So yeah, I do enjoy sales training. I mean, the teaching part of it, you know, I like helping individuals develop enhancing their skills and contributing to their personal and professional growth. I mean, if you go witness, I mean, you're in the business of sales training, you know, and when you witness the success of those that you've trained and
0: mentored, Whoa, it
1: can be a huge. gratifying experience and you line up with action.
0: It's crazy. It's actually that way on both sides of the business where you have a personality that you can, you know, you see the light go on, you know, and it's the same with sellers, only with sellers. It turns into instant money sometimes. So, listen, we, we've we talked about your, what I would call the Mike Jensen Market Manager Training Program, which started in sales. And then sales management and sales training and all of these things. But not just that, because you went and you did events and then you went and did outdoor. You've done other things. You have a lot of rich experience in our business and in advertising in general. But now I want to talk to you about something else. Can you talk to us and give us your thoughts around digital and radio's real opportunity with digital now?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think I think digital can actually help radio, meaning that you are still selling to an audience, but this time you have two tactics. You have one radio and two digital. Using radio, I feel you're reaching the masses and digital reaches a specific audience. Because when you advertise on the radio, what are you doing? Right? You're trying to increase your brand. You're driving search. So then digital catches the audience. So you could say that digital is the net that catches the fish and gets in the boat. You know, we just like other just like other companies, we believe that you you should be heard and be found. Radio plus digital can give you that. So I feel that the customer journey is still the same. Right. By advertising, Mm -hmm. you're creating awareness for your business and digital then drives that consumer to search for them. And then you're converting them into customers, spending money with the business. So again, as a business, you need to be discovered, get access to you. They need to trust you, and ultimately connect with you and spend money with you. So the combination oh. of radio and digital together can be very powerful.
0: And I, and I feel like, look, it's good to slip this in here. Uh, when the economy is good, what advertisers need? They need to advertise so that they get more customers. Right. When the economy is bad. When something happens, it's unexpected, right? That creates an impairment. What do customers need that are advertisers? They need to advertise so that they can get more customers. It's interesting how that, that is the one thing that stays consistent. Here's a quote about you, Mike. Uh-huh. Uh Quote, Mike is a high energy, outgoing, and very expense. Uh, I'm sorry, experienced marketing professional, 100% dedicated his client's success from start to the post-analysis, I saw firsthand the amount of work he put into every campaign with the clients, ROI always front and center unquote. You have such a great background in sales, all that passion that we've talked about. How does a market manager best encourage local sellers today? to be engaged, as you clearly have been yourself, you know, yourself uh, in the full sales process. Well,
1: that's a, that's an interesting quote. Thanks for sharing that. You bet. (laughs) I do have my energy, but I think the biggest thing I start with is I lead by example. You know, I think, again, I'm, I'm an active seller, but a manager who is always actively engaged and demonstrates a strong work ethic can inspire the sales team or other members of your team. I think leading by example sets such a positive tone and encourages a culture of commitment and that hard work. Uh-huh. Plus, you, know, you gotta communicate clearly. Sometimes I don't always do that, but clearly communication, you know, what the expectations are, what are your goals, what are your objectives? You know, I think sellers need to understand their roles and responsibilities and know what the overall vision is. What's the target for right. the team? And let's regularly share updates, you know, provide feedback, keep everyone aligned. Again, you know, I, I read a book um, called Roll the Boat. It's the head coach of Minnesota. It's called Roll the Boat. You're all moving in the same direction. Um, I, really li- I really like that um, analogy or whatever. So mm-hmm. uh, provide feedback. I think you always seems sort of some sort of training and developments, invest in some sort of training. Um, consistently um, equip the sellers with all the skills and knowledge they need to succeed as fast as they can. Um, it could be training on new technologies, sales techniques. Mm-hmm. It could be reviewing old ways of doing things, but let's make it better. And well, I think the biggest because, thing look, is...
0: All, all of this training that you're talking about builds confidence in that rep. Right. That he knows different... He has different tools and resources and there they are because he's done the prep work, which you talked about in the beginning of this podcast episode. He's done the prep work or she, and, and they have the material that is right at their fingertips.
1: And then and then give them the empowerment, you know, encourage autonomy empower the sellers to take ownership in their work. You know, I think okay. I think when individuals or professionals feel the sense of responsibility and autonomy, they're more likely to be engaged. And I think they're more invested in the success of their projects and the success of their of their businesses and their clients are trying to help.
0: That's absolutely true. You know, when when people feel that they have a a chip, if you will, in the process and they're actually making a difference, it's really purposeful. And that leads us to this. How important is positive culture in a radio building?
1: Oh gosh, I think a positive culture is extremely important uh, Mm -hmm. for for different reasons, several reasons. I mean, let's start with employee morale. I mean, a positive culture contributes to a high morale among every employee, no matter what job they do, I think it helps build that team. I think when, when individuals or team members feel positive about their work environment, they're more likely to be motivated, engaged, satisfied with their job, they do a little extra, they'll go above and beyond um, what they need to do. You know, that teamwork and collaboration um, comes together. You know, in the radio industry, I think effective teamwork is crucial for the creation and just the delivery of the high quality content, especially if you're an on-air personality, that content is, is just has to be perfect. So I think when a team member feels a sense of camaraderie, uh, mutual support, it enhances the overall productivity and creativity. And then I think it helps satisfying the clients. I mean, a positive culture often translates to better client or customer service. You know, whether it's advertisers or other partners or listeners, a positive and motivated team, I think is more likely to deliver a positive experience. And that will overall help the client satisfaction We'll do a little extra for them. And I think your clients turn around and be loyal to you because they know how hard hard you're working. So I think a positive culture is the framework of everything in the building.
0: I think people can feel it. Mike, let's talk about your current job. You were the market manager with Stevens Media Group in the Tulsa area. Listen, Tulsa is a very competitive and, and complex market. Tell us about your operation today.
1: Yeah, great. Well, you know, we we have some very unique formats in our cluster. You know, I think um, I think our secret sauce is that we're we're local and loyal, meaning that we're locally owned right here in Tulsa. Um, Our owners is down the hall for me, David Stevens, and I think our listeners are some of the most loyal listeners that I've ever seen or heard. You know, we, we are committed and involved in the community. You know, for example, you know, one of our stations, our classic hit stations, KTSO, is the Tulsa Christmas stations. We're playing Christmas music. You know, oh, yeah. like it or hate it, you know, whatever, it's the Christmas music, and we get a lot of positive response from that. It's Christmas music. It's the season. You know, our, um, you know, we have seven stations here, and we're involved in the community. We have the biggest Christian station, um, I think, in the area, not in the country with KXOJ. It's a Christian AC nice. format. And it's 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 a beast. It's very very popular. It's been a, it's a 46 year um, heritage radio station, and we do a lot of things. We just did a John 3:16. They're a, a local uh, uh, mission for homeless, and we did a food drive for them. The last four Saturdays, we were at a grocery store um, gathering food and items for the John 3:16 mission. And we had a great turnout. And they still need more food. You know, we we're at different uh, grocery stores um, a couple hours each Saturday, and we had a big turnout for that. You know, Same. we 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 partnered with a company called Eden Village of Tulsa, where they they're building tiny. They're building sixty three tiny homes for the homeless. Well, they had a they had a goal. I think it was like a million dollars they wanted by December thirty first. Well, they hit that goal end of November. And we were the nice. right partner for that, so we thank our listeners for that. We hit the, we're thirty days in advance of reaching their goal, so and they still want to they still want to build more homes because you know we want. Wait, wait! Any. All
0: of all of these things are again going back to connection and relationship, and especially you take a station like that kind of Christian station. That's a deep relationship and a a very powerful audience.
1: It is. It is. and and we have, you know, we have a sports station that, you know, we do, we do local high school sports, you know, talk Mm -hmm. about something that's community oriented high school sports, especially in Oklahoma. I mean, it's, it's huge. We do two high schools a week. We have a NFL game. We have local midday show. That's a former, um, you know, head coach. Uh, We've got, like I said, a Christmas station that we do that people connect to. We have an alternative rock station called the edge. That's, their biggest thing is you find a parade and we're going to be in front of it. They're in the community. They're giving away concert tickets. We're doing all kinds of stuff. The morning shows out and about. So all of our stations, we don't have direct competitors, so to speak. You know, usually there's like four or five country stations in the market. We don't have that. All of our stations are unique and we bring a different perspective for the advertiser.
0: Well, and you, and you've got some some really passionate audiences there too.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good split between male and female audiences. Um, so I'm very happy with the products. It's very, it's very unique. And you're right. Pulse is competitive. But I think our listeners are just, we trained them to go buy a hamburger Saturday at noon. You know, we fill up the place. They're very loyal to what we tell them to do. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Right. I've never seen such loyalty. And it's just a good way. We've just done a good job branding the stations for years. Our on-air personalities are involved in the community. They can relate to the listeners, and the listeners relate to them. Um, so they they talk with them. They don't talk down to them. And I think that's that's a key. Our sales team is in the community. You know, I'm in different chamber of commerces. We're in the community. We're, we're in the parade coming up next weekend, the Tulsa parade with our vehicles. So we try to be seen and be heard, and I think that's helping us. All right. So what we do, we love helping businesses grow. I mean, it's just, yeah, we like doing it.
0: So listen, you know, how do I put this? I've asked you all these easy questions, by the way, you just (laughs) made them sound easy with your answers, but I I do want to slip this one in about sales recruitment in, and I'm just going to go ahead and use the term 2024 because buddy, we're almost there. I mean, we might, we're practically there right now. How tough is sales recruitment? For a market manager for a sales manager today
1: i think i think it's a challenge i think um I think the future of local radio um needs to target more of a youth engagement. i think engaging younger a younger audience would definitely help i mean with the mm-hmm. digital pro- with the digital products, I think that's going to excite a younger a younger um account executive. I think they have an opportunity to to use the social media, their digital platforms to get excited about radio, and then they see how it works to help grow a business. So I think recruitment is always going to be a challenge for any, any sales manager, any market manager. It's one of those things they say, you always be recruiting, right? Whether you're a restaurant, right. or if you're somewhere, you find somebody that might be a fit, you know, we can teach him the radio business, as they say. You can't teach him his
0: passion.
1: You can't teach him to make a phone call, you know, to get. To can't go.
0: teach competitiveness, right?
1: Right. Objections, you know, you get hung up on or you don't make sales. You got to keep going, all that stuff. So you get that right person, you can create the excitement of, of radio and advertising. I think, again, it's just, it's just selling the value of helping businesses. And I'd be curious
0: fun. to see. I'd be curious to see if curiosity is something that is a part of your sales hiring process. If you look for people who are naturally curious,
1: yeah, I, I think you're right. That's that's a good point. I think, you know, I think the, a good account executive has two things: they have empathy, and the big thing is they have empathy enough to to show that they care about a business. They understand the challenges a businesses is having. And the second thing is, along with empathy is ego. And I don't mean like a big head, but enough ego to not be scared to recommend a plan that will make their business successful. So I, I think account accounting executive has empathy and ego. Again, empathy to understand the business challenges and enough ego to say, here's a plan. It costs a blank amount of dollars, but this is going to help grow your business.
0: Well, and I think what you're really saying there, Mike, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that sometimes sellers get a little queasy about something that's going to be expensive. Okay. And so they go, I don't know if I can do that. Maybe they'll run off or whatever. But the true, true seller goes, this is the medicine. This is what makes the patient better.
1: Oh, yeah. We're selling aspirin. We're not selling vitamins. Right. We're selling an aspirin to fix your problem. Take away that headache.
0: All right. So let's do the really tough question. okay? Uh because because I've kind of alluded to the fact that I've been giving you all these pop, you know, easy (laughs) pop up questions, which we know is not true because I've asked you about recruitment. I've asked you about culture. I've asked you all these hard things. Uh, But if you could control the future of radio. okay, and none of us can really do that. We can't even control the future of us. Right. What do you see or what would you like to see as the future of local radio? Well, for sure, to
1: continue to be community centric, I think local radio has a unique ability to connect with communities. That's first and foremost. I mean, a positive future would involve local stations, you know, strengthening their ties that they to have with the community, continue to provide relevant content and support local events. I think that that's huge, you know. I think we gotta embrace some technology advancements. You know, I think the future of radio can evolve embracing some emerging technologies like AI (laughs) that's coming up that we've been talking about. Um, I talked briefly about the youth engagement. I think engaging a younger audience is crucial for the longevity of local radio. Um, Continue to be a vital source of local news and information. I think the future ideally involve a commitment to strong local journalism you know that includes community updates timely information that's relevant to the local audiences and then of course digital integration i think the future of radio could see even more integration with digital platforms you know there's Mm -hmm. there's online streaming there's engaging the effective use of digital tools not only to create content and distribution You know, I think it's a massive tool. You know, keeping radio relevant, is just, it's just, radio is just a massive tool for business owners to use to grow their business. The creativity that radio can provide, the loyalty of audiences, and the response is still the best. So let's continue to shout the power of radio and digital and help businesses succeed and keep radio moving forward.
0: I think that's really big. What a great answer to that. And Mike, I got to tell you, it's smart to spend a few minutes talking to you just about radio and sales and how we move ahead and these things. I want to thank you for spending this time with us and being our guest.
1: Oh, thank you. I, I uh, it was a pleasure to uh, talk about and you can tell I kind of I really like sales. And I really like helping people. So the opportunity to visit with you is just just it made my day. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Please don't take for granted what we're doing here and help us by sharing this episode. You can do that directly from our website at rainmakerpathway.com. It's just a link at the top of the page and you're there. You can share this uh, with people who are interested in growing their careers in radio and sales and management. Uh, This is what we do. This episode of The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is designed like the other 140 plus episodes to encourage radio pros at all levels. I want to thank our special guest today, Mike Jensen, who is the market manager, Stevens Media Group in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Very cool town to visit if you've not. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we will make available moments after this live interview. And a thank you to justjoeproductions.com for goodness creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast we say this all the time on our podcast i say it to clients regularly once you have a radio station you can get anything else you want if you have any questions about what exactly that philosophy means please call me i'm passionate about that it's my passion to tell you about it too and i love to prove it to clients every day Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else from this episode, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the radio rally with the encouragers now. go make it a great week and local radio.